Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Tiva, and... I'm so fucking excited. I have such a sick show planned for today. We're going to have so much fun together. It's going to be so great. It's the first, excuse me, it's the second Tuesday of the month, which means we're doing an Am I the Asshole episode. But before we get into it, there are a couple of things. Number one, we always do Word of the Week. If it's your first time listening, every week we do a word of the week. It's it's it might be a word that you know actually and sometimes you just kind of forget about words or sometimes there are words that you think you know the definition of but it turns out that you're wrong or it could be a brand new word to you. But either way the point is, you know, this is an educational podcast. It's a self-improvement podcast and part of that is feeling feeling good about the way that we speak. You know, and once in a while, if you throw in a little fancy word, it just gives you a little pep to your step. So we're going to do that. I also have a quick story for you guys about some shit that happened to me last week. And I think it's a really great teaching moment. So we're going to get into that. And then we're going to dive right into the Am I the Assholes? Because there's a great selection and there's just a lot. There's a lot of good takeaways. There's a lot of good educational moments in this week's roundup. So Without further ado, let's dive right in. Our word of the week is bellwether. Bellwether refers to someone or something that leads others or shows what will happen in the future. In other words, a leader or a trendsetter. Example, she was known as a bellwether of fashion because she was always one step ahead of the runways and magazines. You know, this reminds me... (laughs) I do you ever like have things like areas of life where you're a bit of a know-it-all and it kind of like irritates you when someone says something and you're like yeah I've been talking about this shit for like 10 years that's how I kind of feel about wellness like things that become wellness trends I'm like I've been talking about this shit for like fucking years are you crazy kidding me like sometimes it pisses me off but I think the reason that it pisses me off is because really I'm mad at myself especially historically because I was like wait like if all the influencers are talking about this and I knew about this like 10 years ago then that means I could have been talking about this shit for the past 10 years so really I was just mad at myself for like not putting this shit out sooner does that make sense anyway I'd like to think that I'm a bellwether of health and wellness um Although, does that work? Am I using it correctly? 
Oh my God, sorry if you're hearing me make mouth noises. That's so gross. I had a piece of mint stuck to my teeth. Um, pro tip, just like buy a bunch of fresh mint. I'm checking my teeth, by the way, if you're watching on video. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> buy a bunch of fresh mint. By a bunch, I mean like a literal bunch. You know, they're sold in bunches. Buy a bunch of fresh mint, rinse it, leave it on the counter and just like munch on it throughout the day. It's great for digestion. It gives you like a little, little boost. Um, and that's probably it. It's really probably just good for your digestion and that's it. You know, in Persian culture, it's really common to start a meal, especially a meal that would be breaking your fast. So for example, breakfast, which means breaking your fast. You know, that's that's what the word means because you technically have fasted overnight. Um, you would start a big meal like that with uh, an herb platter. So it's a platter of like literal fresh herbs. There's like mint, parsley, cilantro. Um, they'd put scallions on, radishes. And usually, or it could be on a separate platter, but with it would be cheese, which is kind of like Persian cheese. It's kind of like feta style, like in, 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 I was going to say liquid in brine, I think is the word brine, um, and some bread. And the bread would be, uh, well, I guess there, there, there are a lot of different types of Persian bread, but what I have always had, and maybe this is just my family, when we do, we call it nun panir sabzi, nun is um, bread, you know, similar to like naan in Hindi. Um, paneer is cheese, which again is the same as Hindi. Um, uh, Farsi is an Indo-European language. So there, there's a lot of overlap with Hindi. And sabzi means herbs, which again, I think is the same in Hindi. Wow, that's kind of nuts. Um, so yeah, sabzi is herbs. Uh, anyway, what I've always had with nun paneer sabzi is... Um, I can't remember what it's called now. It's a type of bread that kind of is like focaccia, but a little thinner and not so much oil. Um, okay, why the fuck are we talking about this? Oh, because I had... Okay, yeah. Okay, let's just move on from word of the week because <laughs> there's like a lot of danger of us just getting into a weird rabbit hole now. I'm going to tell my quick story and then I, I really, really want to get into it before like the camera fucking dies or some shit goes down. Okay, so... Last week, I wake up. I'm like all ready to have like a really fucking good day, right? And I walk my dog and I come back and I'm like, fuck, it is cold as shit. Like I need a scarf. Like it is painfully, brutally cold. It was the day when the temperature suddenly really dropped. Like it went in New York from being 80 degrees to like 40 degrees in the blink of an eye. It was really jarring and really unfortunate for me. <laughs> as someone who feels really, and I have to say, there's something that we have to address, okay? Like thin privilege is a thing and in no way, shape or form am I negating that. Like it is very much a thing to have a smaller body in 2023, at least in America, affords you a tremendous amount of privilege. Like the, the it's, it's without question. Like people are so fat phobic. Like the world is built for thin people. Okay. That is in no way, shape or form. Am I saying that that's not true? But one thing that people do not talk about enough is how much harder it is to deal with cold 
when you have less body fat. Like, believe me, each pound of body fat has a measurable effect in how well you can tolerate the cold. And I know this as someone whose weight has been all over the place. And last winter and the winter before, I was still, well, last winter, I was kind of coming out of it. The winter before, especially, I was in the thick of my thyroid issue and I weighed a decent amount more than I do now. I mean, not, you know, not like unrecognizable, not like I had to buy an entirely new wardrobe, but different. And I'm telling you, each fucking pound of body fat that you have has a measurable effect in how well you can tolerate the cold. So this winter, I am dying. Like I am, like it is, we're not even at winter yet. We're not even at winter yet and I'm struggling. So this was a day where I'm like already really fucking struggling with the cold. So I come in from walking my dog and I had to go run errands or something or go to the farmer's market. Who the fuck knows? I, I, I had something to do. And, um, I realized I really need a scarf. Like the only way I can do it is if I go get a scarf. And so I go to my coat closet. Now I never go to my coat closet because I usually kind of like every month or so grab like two to three coats that I'm going to wear for that season. And I leave them by where we actually go in and out, which is different than the coat closet. So I leave them. Yeah. And you know, it's fall. I have a lot of great transitional coats. Okay. That's like so unrelated. Where am I going with this? Okay. So I go to the coat closet, which again, I want to emphasize is not a place that I go to often to go get a scarf. And I open the door and I pick out my scarf and then I'm like, wait, do I hear something weird? And then I look and I realize it's starting to drip from the top of the coat closet. And I was like, huh, there's some kind of leak here. And it had clearly just started. And then I remembered I have very high ceilings in my apartment. Um, I realized that there there's a top closet above the coat closet, and I'm pretty sure the water heater is in there. So... I called the guy who does like he's not the super, but he it's it's a weird building. It's hard to explain the situation, but he's he works for a landlord. And I was like, hey, listen, by the way, if I sound kind of nasally, I'm definitely sick. That's why um, I really like I'm starting to feel like I'm suffocating on my own phlegm, which is super cute and super sexy. <laughs> Maybe I'll save that line for Valentine's Day to just like really get Aussie going. Um so I hit hit up this guy. I'm like, hey, Santiago, listen, um, there's a leaking coming from this closet. I have to run, but like, could you send Jose? Um, you know, it's this closet. It's in this part of the apartment. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the water heater is right above it. So I'm guessing it's a water heater issue, right? Like who, like, good God, have I experienced water heater issues in my life? I will never forget one time when I was um, in high school. Yeah, it was like the end of high school and my friends and I had a party in my parents' basement and um, didn't, not didn't tell them, like we'd tell them we were having people over. We obviously wouldn't tell them that we were drinking and they just would never come down and we just drink down there, whatever, no big deal. So we're having a party and I remember noticing that like the floor was kind of wet 
in some area, but I was like, God, people just like keep spilling drinks and it was a carpeted floor. And I was like, yeah, God. And then like, as the night went on, I was like, wow, people are spilling a lot of fucking drinks. Now, did I notice that one corner was wet and like it just kept spreading from that corner? Yes. Did I think like, why is it that people are congregating on one side of the room and spilling all of their drinks exclusively on that side of the room? Yes, I did think that was odd, but I was also pretty fucking drunk in like 17, 18. So I didn't, you know, I didn't really have the full wherewithal. And I remember the guy that I was flirting with towards the end of the night was like, yo, the floor is soaked. And I was like, no, I know. Like, can you believe like what animals like who spills this many drinks? And he's like, I don't think it's people spilling drinks, girl. Like, I think some shit is like flooding. And so... (laughs) Like, we obviously don't say anything. We're, like, literally standing in a puddle. Like, it's, it's like, starting to become a pool party at this point. No one says anything until literally the last person had left. And I was like, by the way, the basement, I think, is flooded to my parents. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, the floor is, like, really fucking wet. And it was the water heater. Anyway. So Jose comes, I wasn't there, but like, turns out it is the water heater. Now, while I'm out running errands, navigating the brutal cold that like genuinely feels like it's like fucking attacking me. That's the only way I can describe it. I um, get a call from this lady who works for the management company of the building that I live in. And my apartment is right above an art gallery. And this art gallery on the regular. I've lived in this apartment for three years. No fewer than six or seven separate times, this gallery has been like, we're flooded. And like there's been, I've talked about it on this podcast before. Like I've gotten calls where they're like, something is leaking from your apartment. You need to run home. And like the way they talk about it, like I remember the first time it happened, like I thought like my apartment was like filled to the brim with water like I was expecting to come home to like a dead dog and my furniture floating like above like you know my height level like that's what I was expecting and when I went home and it was bone dry they're like oh sorry I guess it's coming from somewhere else now my building has like five units in it okay to put it in perspective and this has happened like six or seven times where they say that something is leaking from another unit And it's getting to the point where I'm like, do you think maybe one of your employees just like doesn't turn the faucet all the way off after he washes his hands and then gets kind of embarrassed and is blaming it on someone else? Because unless there are very, very, very serious infrastructural problems in this building, which maybe there are, I mean, it is an old building, so it is possible. I'm not saying it's not the case. It just seems like the gallery floods a lot more than what is normal, than than what's to be expected then you know like it it's just it's starting to feel like the call is coming from inside the house anyway so the lady who works for the management company calls me and I was like hey are you calling about my water heater now keep in mind it hit just started dripping in my apartment when I saw it. And by the way, when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, look at this. I'm just like kissed on the dick today, which by the way is an Aussie expression, meaning um, 
you got lucky. Um, I'm like, wow, like if I hadn't gone to the closet to grab a scarf at that exact moment, I wouldn't have seen the leaking and I wouldn't have been able to address it head on. And like, uh, you know, even though I fucking hate the cold and I hate how cold it is and I hate, you know, the fact that I had to go uh, grab a scarf, like how blessed and lucky that I caught this yada yada. Oh my God. Sorry. I'm like literally suffocating because of the phlegm. Um, whatever. It had just started leaking. So she's like, yeah. So, um, the gallery says that it's like flooding down there. I was like, of course the fucking gallery said that it's flooding. And so then I come home and they'd put up like a giant sign everywhere. That's like the gallery is flooding from this floor, which is like my apartment. And it just like really kind of pissed me off because I was like, this is my home, by the way, that's flooding. And like you're making it out to be like you're the victim here, whatever. So they're like working on the water when I come back and they're like, yeah, you're not going to have water for a while. And I'm like, "Okay, well, that's not convenient, (laughs) you know, Um, so that's already annoying. And then I get an email from my bank and like some shit went down with my bank. It wasn't a big deal, but it was just like something I had to handle. And then I got an email from um, my health insurance. There was something wrong. It was like not a huge deal, but I had to like fill out all this paperwork. So all this shit is popping off. And then they're like, you're going to have water, but it's just going to be cold. Like you're not going to have hot water. So I'm like, fine, fine, fine. I get in the sauna because I was just like stressing out. And then I was like, I'll just take a fucking cold shower, whatever. And I'm like reframing. So I'm like, you know what? It's been a while since I've done like a cold plunge, cold exposure, whatever. I'm going to take a fucking cold shower and thrive. And then I got in the shower and like no water is coming at all. So then I had to like go to the sink and like run the sink and just like wash my pits and privates under the sink like like a fucking French peasant. And then no offense to French people. Um, but like you guys have got to know you you're well known for not having the best hygiene, um, not neither here nor there. Um, and then, so like all this shit is going wrong. Right. And it's like one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. And I'm like really trying to like rein it in and look at the positives and like, wow, how lucky that I caught this in time. And like, wow, how lucky that they came right away to the water and like, you know, great. I got to do the cold thing, whatever, um, this, that, like, I'm really trying to put a positive spin on things and handle things really well. And then I get an email from the Frankie shop. Now, if you're not familiar, the Frankie shop is a clothing store. They have really fucking cute shit. They have a store in um, Soho that's like super, super close to me. I'd ordered these jeans from them that were like so fucking cute. Oh my God, you should get them. They, okay, they're like normal, like kind of baggy, loose, wide leg jeans, but they have these extra buttons. So you can like pull them in and create a pleat or you can undo it. Like so sick, right? So I ordered them. I was so excited about them. And then when I tried them on, they like literally fell right off my body. And like, I know they're meant to be oversized and stuff, but I'm wondering if maybe the tag was stitched on wrong because like there's no reason why they should have been that big. Like, it's not like I'm like emaciated, you know? Anyway, ni- <laughs> neither here nor there. So I had to return the jeans. And unfortunately, they don't accept returns in the store, which sucks because they're so close to me. So I had to pay money for a return label, which I didn't know that was their return policy back when. When I did it. And um, 
I would not have ordered shit from them if I knew that was their return policy because like I don't really fuck with places that don't do free returns. Anyway, so I'd gone to the FedEx store, which was like equidistant to me as the store itself and as their headquarters. This is all like we're all within a two block radius of each other. I dropped the oh, and when I take in the return there, the lady like I I was like, hey, like I have this return, um, but I need to print out the return label. And she's like, I'll print it for you. Don't worry, which is so nice of her. So I didn't have to like pay for printing that. And then I was like, oh, like, do you have any tape? Like, I'll, I'll tape it on and stuff. She's like, you know what? I'll handle it. Don't even worry about it. Go about your day. And I was like, holy shit, you're like the nicest person ever. Thank you so much. And I leave. Right. This was all before water heater day. Then water heater day, I got an email from the Frankie shop. And they're like, by the way, if you're not familiar with the Frankie shop, I don't know if I just said this or not. Check them out. They have the cutest fucking clothes ever. Okay, moving right along. So I get an email from the Frankie shop and they're like, hey, thank you so much for your return. Like we just got it, but we do have to have a conversation about the contents of the box. And I was like, oh my God, we have to have a conversation about the contents of the box. Like what the fuck was in the box? Like, did I like, and I'm just like, oh my, like starting to freak out. Like, did I accidentally throw something weird into the box? Like, did I accidentally throw like a pair of my underwear or something into the return box of the jeans? And they're like, um, this is actually like sexual harassment adjacent. Like we do not want your worn panties, please. And thank you. So I'm kind of like freaking out and I'm scrolling down and they're like, um, we got these Allbirds sneakers and um, not the jeans that you were meant to return. This is what you were meant to return. We don't carry Allbirds. So and so I email back and I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I've never even owned Allbirds. There must be some kind of mistake. And then it clicks for me. I was like, well, I know what the mistake was. Like, where else could the mistake have happened? Clearly it happened at FedEx. Like they had a bunch of people. She told me she like taped the return label on. Obviously, she must have mixed mine and someone else's return. So there's like some poor chick who tried to return her Allbirds to Allbirds and instead is probably receiving a similar email from Allbirds where they're like, what the fuck are these jeans and why are they so big? Why are they so big? Like it does like the label must be on wrong. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sure that's exactly what Allbirds said to her. So then I email, oh, no, no, no. So then I call FedEx and I'm like, hey, listen, this happened. Now, let me backtrack. I call FedEx. It's not like I can just talk to a person. It took me like an hour and a half to get through to a fucking human being. And here's what I have to say to that. And this isn't to FedEx specifically. This is to all customer service departments. This is to all companies that have a customer service thing. I understand that you save a little bit of money by trying to have people talk to operators. The problem is when you try to 
gatekeep having a human being talk to another human being. The only thing that happens is by the time we reach a fucking human being, we are incensed. We are ready to fucking pop off because we just went through fucking hell to get to that person. Now, when I first called FedEx, I was calm. I was laughing. I thought the whole thing was fucking funny. By the time, by the time I got transferred to Kevin, I was ready to fucking kill Kevin because I had just gone through hell to get connected to a human being. It was one of those services that just didn't want to let you talk to a person. So now I'm talking to Kevin. I'm telling him the whole situation. There's a bit of a language barrier, which isn't ideal. And he's like, well, it's your fault. We're not going to do anything about it. And I was like, walk me through how it's my fault, Kevin. And he's like, well, you put the label on wrong. I was like, do you want me to murder your children? Like, what is wrong with you? I just told you the whole fucking story. Were you not listening? I didn't even put the label on. So how could I put it on wrong? And tell me this, riddle me this, Kev Kev. Where would I have gotten an Allbirds return label from? I've never fucking shopped at Allbirds. Do I look like a FedEx employee to you? Where would I have gotten the return label from to even have put it on wrong? So Kevin and I have some words. Needless to say, I don't think he's a big fan of mine. He was not very helpful. And at this point, I am seeing fucking red. And so, I mean, I was, I, it was one of the most angry I've ever been in my entire life. And here's the thing. We all have a window of tolerance, right? There's a window within which we're okay. We can handle stress, we can handle triggers, and we can bounce back, right? And so the water heater within my window of tolerance, the bank shit within my window of tolerance, the gallery within my window of tolerance, the um, health insurance, you know, it's, it's, it's edging my window of tolerance, but within there. The Frankie Shop email, still, still within my window of tolerance. You know what pushed me right outside of my window of tolerance? It was that hour and a fucking half that it took for me to be connected to Kev boy. And then you know what really fucking broke that camel's back? It was Kevin saying that it was my fault. And I was squarely outside of my window of tolerance. And now when you're outside of your window of tolerance, we all have a different reaction. The primary four are fight, flight, freeze, fawn, which are, you know, cutesy, alliterated ways of saying like we all have different stress responses. Now, if you're in the Blush Academy or even if you're not, you can take the um, nervous system dysregulation archetype quiz. I think it's in the show notes for the nervous system episode that we did a few weeks ago. If not, I don't know. It might be in my link tree. It might not be. <laughs> I don't know if I can DM me and you can find yours. I know that mine right now, my primary stress response, like when I'm dysregulated is anger. Like I get angry, I get irritable. And in this situation, I mean, I was a 15 out of 10. Like I, 
I, I think I told Kevin that I was going to find him and kill him. I think I said that. Am I proud? No. No, I'm not proud. Um, again, like, I don't think I've ever been so angry. Like, it just, everything that had happened up until then, I was, like, able to handle and spin, handle and spin, handle and spin. But that one, I fucking could not. Now, what should I have done? I should have just not, I should have just not fucking called FedEx. That's what I, and here's the thing. I wanted to run over to FedEx and talk to them, but it was so fucking cold. I forgot to add that to my list of triggers. Quite frankly, that was probably my biggest trigger. Most people I think would be most triggered by the water heater thing and the lack of water and the flooding. But for me, it was that the cold. I'm telling you, like I take it like a personal attack. Anyway, So yeah, I'm not super proud of that. But from then I was like, okay, I'm very, very dysregulated and I have to get back into regulation because I cannot just like lash out at people like that's not going to fly. And so I did the somatic anger release that is coming to the nervous system course within the Blush Academy. And that got me from like 150 down to like 25 to the point where I could handle talking to a human being without losing it. Then I called my brother and at this point I'm laughing. I'm telling him the whole situation and then talking to him got me back down to a zero. And I want to highlight this because it's so important. Like co-regulation is such a great way to regulate your nervous system. It's how we grow up regulating our nervous systems, right? And the reason so many of us are dysregulated is because our parents were yada, yada, yada. Now, luckily in that moment, my brother was very, very calm. If my brother wasn't calm, it wouldn't have worked. But because he was so calm, I was able to get calm really quickly and we were able to laugh at the situation together. So, but like, Also, if I just called him right away when I was like a fucking 15 out of 10, all that would have happened was I would have dysregulated him. I would have gotten him upset and angry because I was coming in so fucking hot. But that's the key here. Co-regulation is so important, but you cannot put that on someone. Like you cannot put your extreme 10 out of 10 anxiety, your extreme 10 out of 10 anger, whatever extreme level of emotion that you have, it's not right to put that on other people. You have to regulate yourself at least halfway before you approach someone else. And really the takeaway is like, you should be in the nervous system regulation course. It's so fucking sick. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, But what my brother said was like, why don't you talk to the Frankie shop? Oh, he was like, have them look inside the box, see if in the shoes there's some kind of return slip to help you track down the other. He had a bunch of good ideas. So basically we got off the phone uh, just to wrap up the story. It's not important. Oh my God. Sorry, guys. I cannot breathe. God, this is so fucking hard. Remind me to never spend time around toddlers. And I feel so bad that I'm lumping the other toddler into this. It was only my niece that got me sick. She was the one who was sick. I just like, I feel bad throwing her under the bus. So I'm throwing this other poor toddler under the bus too, but he was fine. Um, But yeah, I was around my niece and this other kid last weekend. And my niece, the next day, my sister-in-law texted me and she's like, oh my God, she's sick. I'm so sorry. And I was like, oh, great. (laughs) And now I'm sick. It's not that bad, but like for, for this, it's not ideal. Anyway, just to wrap it up in case you're wondering. So we got off the phone. I emailed the Frankie shop again. I was like, Hey, I think I know what happened. 
could you give me a call? Here's my phone number. So they called me and I was like, hey, here's the whole story. You were like laughing about it. And I was like, okay, I have a few ideas. Number one, like, is there any sort of like return slip within the shoes that could help us locate like the girls whose shoes they were? And there wasn't. And I was like, could you reach out to the return department at Allbirds and see um, they should have your jeans. Like they should have your pants. So like we can whatever. And I was like, this is the location of the FedEx shop that I took it to. Like it was on this day. This is my receipt number. I sent a photo of my receipt. Like we're like talking. And like at this point, you know, based on my FedEx conversation, I was like, great. I've like lost all this money. And like the jeans weren't fucking cheap. Plus I paid for a goddamn return label. But I also like talking to my brother. I started to accept like, okay, I might not get this money back. It is what it is. Like, is it really worth like, do I like that? No. But is it worth me losing my mind? Probably not. I mean, I don't know. Trace out. No, it's not. Is it worth me, you know, threatening to murder Kevin? Probably not. Although <laughs> Kevin, I fucking hate you, buddy. Um, no, but um, the ticket at the Frankie shop was so great. Like, she's like, okay, like, we'll reach out to FedEx. We'll reach out to Allbirds, like, um, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, listen, at the end of the day, no matter what, we will refund you. The only thing is, like, just give us a beat and let us at least try to track down the pants first. And I was like, listen, that's totally reasonable. You take your time. I'm in no rush. And at this point, I'm fully regulated. So I was able to like be really cool and chill and nice about this whole thing, you know, instead of like popping off at her like I did a Kev Kev. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's the craziest part. So the next day, the Frankie shop emails me and they're like, weird thing. We also received your jeans. Um, it appears as though the FedEx shop just put this one return label on a bunch of shit. <laughs> and so like, I don't know how many fucking things <laughs> the Frankie shop received allegedly from me. But they were like, don't worry, we're talking to all birds and we're going to make sure the shoes get to them. So like this other girl gets her return too. And I was like, oh, thank God. Thank you so much. So it all ended up fine. But that's just my quick story about not so quick story about... <laughs> you know, the nervous system and the window of tolerance and how we all have a window of tolerance. And the really cool thing is if you do difficult things on a regular basis, and I'll explain what I mean by difficult things, you push against the edge of your window of tolerance and you increase the size of that window, right? Like my window of tolerance used to be a lot smaller. Like it used to be almost non-existent. So the water heater in and of itself would have put me right outside my water, uh, right outside my water heater, right outside my window of tolerance. But, you know, doing these types of things, again, I'm going to get to what these types of things are in a second, Put, push my window of tolerance out a little bit further so I could handle, you know, the water heater plus the gallery being a bit of a cunt. 
and, you know, and then pushed it out more so I could handle those two plus the bank plus the health. You know, it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Nevertheless, it wasn't able to hold all of these things, but it's really only by pushing against the window that we can increase the size. And the ways that I recommend pushing against the window are by intentionally exposing yourself to, um, acute stressors. So things that are really stressful for a limited amount of time. And the ways that you do that are hard exercise. And like, I don't mean like, you know, rolling around on the ground, lifting a leg here and there. I mean like actual hard exercise, not to say that you should be doing really hard exercise all the time, but there's room for everything. You should be doing the yogas and the Pilates, and you should be doing a little bit of cardios and hits and Tabata and shit like that too, because those are the types of exercises that that really induce hormesis and really push against that window of tolerance. The other things are breath work. Again, like there's room for restorative breath work. There's room for parasympathetic breathing, those calmer types of breath work. But you also have to do the harder ones, right? The ones that make you hyperventilate, the ones that like feel like you're fucking dying. It's those types of practices, even like cold exposure. These things that feel really, really hard in the moment are the the things that actually increase your window of tolerance so that you can hold more. And again, even though the story might to some sound like, wow, you like threatened to murder Kevin. Yeah, I did threaten to murder Kevin. Am I proud of that? Of course not. But I am proud of the fact that I handled trigger after trigger after trigger after trigger that day so fucking well. I did have a breaking point because I am a human being, as it turns out. I mean, I did think I was an alien for the vast majority of my childhood. But at this point, I'm pretty convinced that I probably am human. And it happens. And guess what? Because I continue to do these practices, the difficult breath work, the difficult exercise, the cold exposure, along with the restorative practices, let's not forget about those. I'm continuously increasing my window of tolerance. So the next time I have one of those days where it's one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, maybe I won't threaten to murder FedEx employees. We'll see. Okay, let's get right into the Am I the Assholes? Like I said, I have a great lineup and I've spent, what, like 40 minutes telling the story. So we're not even have time for that many. But whatever we don't get to today, we will get to next time we do an Am I the Asshole episode, which will be the second Tuesday of December. Maybe by then I will be able to breathe again. I'm so sorry if you're having to hear that kind of sound. It's just that I am trying to not die. Okay. Am I the asshole for telling my friend to just get over her breakup? I, 27 female, have been friends, have been friends with my best friend, 20, I'm going to start that over. I, 27 female, have been friends with my best friend, 26 female, for about 15 years. Recently, her boyfriend, 44 male, oof, age gap, of five years broke up with her. Long story short, he's married. Oh, shit. She knew he was married, even met his wife, and still, quote unquote, dated him this entire time. I have like 15,000 questions, but okay. He'd give it. He'd give her money to go out and treat herself. They'd hook up, and if his wife was out of town, he'd spend time at her apartment. His wife got suspicious and accused him of straying and he finally admitted it and broke it off with my friend who was devastated. He spent the last five years telling her he loved her and saying he was going to leave his wife for her. Yeah, they never do, by the way. 
She was she is wallowed for three weeks about it. During that time, I tried to be as supportive as possible without saying I told you so, even though we all knew this wouldn't end well. The past few weeks have been crazy difficult in my life, which she knows and hasn't really been supportive through. Yesterday, she called me crying about missing him, and I snapped and told her to just get over it because it wasn't a real relationship and she didn't lose anything because she never really had him. He used her. She knew it and went along with it, and she was never going. he was never going to leave his family. He has six kids. Six kids? What in the fucking Baldwins is going on? She hung up. Speaking of which, I walked by Alec Baldwin last week. Okay, neither here nor there, neither here nor there. But it was very like 30 Rock. He was in um like a black car wearing a tuxedo, like a full tuxedo, like black tie, you know. Um, that's what a tuxedo is, obviously, but I mean bow tie and all. And um the door of the car was open, which is how I knew it was him. Um, anyway, so not important. Uh, six kids. She hung up on me and called our other friends who were calling me insensitive and telling me I'm an asshole for not just comforting her in her time of need. I know I was stressed, which was a factor in my reply, and I probably could have worded it better, but I was just being honest. So am I the asshole? Um, you know, this is actually a good illustration of the window of tolerance and nervous system regulation also, because it sounds like this person who wrote this in reacted poorly because her nervous system was dysregulated, right? Do I think you're the asshole? Uh, Yes and no. You're not wrong, but the way that you said it was wrong. Now, your friend, I would say, almost certainly has anxious attachment. That's why she was dating someone, settling for breadcrumbs, you know, naively thinking. I mean, at 26, you're like a little bit too old to actually think that this man is going to leave his wife and 15,000 children. You know, like what are they on some kind of like Mormon compound? Actually, that's like kind of fucked up. I really, really love Mormon people. Sorry, guys. Um, But Although I can't imagine that there's like a huge Mormon following of this podcast. In fact, I think this podcast is the type of thing that could get you like expelled from BYU. But anyway, um, okay. But yeah, that like that's why she stuck around for so long with this man who isn't properly committed to her. Like that's why like when we make these like quote unquote stupid dating decisions and we're like naive and settle for breadcrumbs and act like a doormat, like it's not that we're dumb. That's not why we do it. We do it because we have anxious attachment and so we're so preoccupied with love and romance and so like subconsciously have not just a fear of abandonment but also also have this like deep fear that we're never going to find anyone else. It's like this intense type of scarcity mindset that prevents us from seeing things clearly and making the rational right decision. And so, and the other thing with anxious attachment is like, if you have anxious attachment, you're going to have a very, very hard time usually accepting that a relationship is over. And so I'm sure that your friend has anxious attachment. She doesn't mean to be really annoying. She doesn't mean to be like, you know, a huge burden. Like she's like literally to her, to her brain, to her nervous system, to her body. This right now feels like a life or death situation. It feels 
feels like nothing else matters. Nothing else is there. Like it is her entire life. It's consuming every fiber of her being. So she can't even see or understand that there is something else. Like I used to have the worst anxious attachment before I figured out how to work through it. And if you too want to work through it, then you have to check out the Blush Academy Attachment Styles course because it's really fucking good. But I remember like when the comedian and I broke up, I couldn't think about anything else. Like I, there was nothing else in my life. Like I'm saying this and I'm not proud of it. Like my friend's dad could have died. And quite frankly, I still would have been preoccupied with my breakup because to me, to my brain, to my nervous system, it literally felt like life or death. Like it felt like I couldn't breathe. It felt like there was nothing else in the world. Like I couldn't even see outside of it. Now, that's not her fault. But even though it's her, not her fault, it's also not your responsibility. And that's why I don't really think you're an asshole. I think that we all have to have boundaries, but I think that you should have and could have and next time will communicate them better. So instead of like snapping at her, and here's the thing, we all snap, right? I, I told Kevin that I was going to f- track him down and kill him. Um, I may have said murder his entire family. <laughs> I'm like really not proud of this. It was a really hard day, okay? Listen, once we're outside of that window of tolerance when we fucking snap, like that's it. It's game over. But what you should have done before you got to that point was been like, hey, Lucy, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. Like, I understand that to you, this is all consuming. I understand how hard this is for you. And like, even though, you know, I'm not here feeling it with you, I can only imagine that you're going through a really hard time. At the same time, I have things going on in my life and I just don't have the capacity to be hearing about this as much as I am. So I want to be there for you to the amount that I can, but I also need you, you know, to like whatever or like, you know, I can't answer your calls or like, you know, like I, if you're going to be really hysterical, like I can't deal with it or whatever your boundary is, you have to communicate it. And also a reminder about boundaries because I just misspoke a second ago. Boundaries are not like what other people can or can't do. Boundaries are how you will respond to what other people do. So just keep that in mind. So it's never, you can't call me and do this. It's more, if you call me and do this, I'm not going to answer or I'm not going to entertain it or I will get off the phone or, you know what I mean? It's it's all about what actions you will or will not take rather than like, you can't tell other people what to do, you know? Um, that's not a boundary. That's just being bossy. Okay, so yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't really think you're the asshole at all, but I I think you could have handled it better. But a lot of this also is, it's that nervous system piece, right? Because she even said it herself. She's like, I know if I didn't have all this shit going on, I would have handled it better. But so yeah, there's that like regulating your nervous system around shit that's happening, but also just like communicating with your friends about where your boundaries are. And 
if you have a friend like this who's going through a breakup and is like making everyone else's life hell or is dating someone who's like treating her like absolute shit and like they're settling for the least, refer them to the Blush Academy Attachment Styles course because that's going to fix that whole fucking issue. There's like, quite frankly, no offense, guys, nothing as annoying as anxious attachment. And that's coming from someone who had like the most severe anxious patterning. Now, I was always fearful avoidant, which is like both anxious and avoidant. By the way, if it's your first time listening and you have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about attachment styles, there's a bunch of episodes where I talk about um, attachment styles. So just like look through the episode list and pick out a few of the attachment styles episodes and go listen to those because there's so many. I like can't even list them all, but um, go listen to those and then come back to this one. Anyway, um, yeah, like it, people's anxious patterning is a huge burden on other people around them. And that's why I'm so passionate for getting to secure because it not only changes your life, but it changes the life of everyone around you also. And it's quite frankly, like the best change I've ever made in my life. And yeah, that, that's why I teach it. That's why I fucking teach it because I want everyone else to get here also. Okay, let's go to the next one. Am I the asshole for telling my boyfriend he's being too paranoid about me getting pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> to start this off, me and my boyfriend are both child-free, but he is to the extreme. He got a vasectomy, but still begs me to use birth control and to use as a condom. I suspect the reason he is concerned is that he has a family history for certain learning disabilities. He said he wouldn't be able to handle having a child with a disability, and since he's a carrier of the gene, he decided to forego having kids altogether. I told him I wanted to get off of my birth control because it gives me acne and makes me gain weight, but he said if I go off it he'll just stop having sex with me I told him he's acting dumb but he told me to stop infringing on his bodily autonomy am I the asshole for thinking my boyfriend is being paranoid okay um I love I love 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 how he thinks you being on a hormone that is literally fucking with your entire endocrine system is him having bodily autonomy but do I think you're the asshole for telling him he's being paranoid? No, I don't think that. Again, I do think your communication could stand to improve. And I actually think this is a very easy solve. Number one, I think that you really need to educate your boyfriend on fertility because it sounds like he's like not super aware of it. And a really good episode to listen to would actually be there's an episode that we did. Um, I did it with my friend Stella. She's like really an expert on um, fertility and cycle tracking and like fertility awareness method and things like that. Um, I'm trying to remember what episode number it was. I, I don't know. It's, it says something about fertility in like fertility and like uh, birth control or something in the title. So go find that episode and listen to it and also like share it with us with your boyfriend. But like, yeah, he needs just a lot of education on how the human body works and how it's like completely ridiculous. And then also he needs to be educated on the side effects of hormonal birth control. Like they're very, very serious and you have every right to not want to be on it. I'm not on hormonal birth control. 
and we don't want to have kids right now and we don't use condoms and my boyfriend hasn't had a vasectomy and so far so good although (laughs) I mean watch me next week be like and I'm pregnant (laughs) no but um you know, there are, there are plenty of ways to avoid pregnancy. But like, if you've had a vasectomy, you, you should be good. But here's what I want to get to, the bigger thing. It sounds like your boyfriend has a lot of unresolved trauma around growing up in a household. I'm, I'm guessing he may have had siblings or something with the specific learning disability, and he had to watch his parents trying to handle that, and I'm sure it was really fucking hard. It sounds like there's a lot of unresolved trauma there. And I think once he works through this trauma, it's not that he'll like necessarily be down for having kids, but maybe he'll be, you know, a little less paranoid about this. So yeah, kind of easy fix for that one, TBH. Okay. Will I be the asshole if I text my avoidant partner? Hi, I'm a bit unsure about how to handle my current situation. My partner and I have been working through some relationship issues together for the past few weeks. His attachment style is avoidant, mine is anxious. We are trying our best to break the cycle. Well, after a disagreement yesterday, I told him he should take some space. I did this because I know that space alone is a need of his, and of course I want to respect that. However, I also will be respecting myself. We haven't spoken in over 24 hours, which is not something my my anxious attachment system enjoys. It hurts, actually. He is aware of my feelings regarding too much distance, yet he hasn't reached out. For context, we've been together for two years. Would I be the asshole to message him and express that I would appreciate it if he would consider my feelings as well? No, not at all. In fact, I think in this situation, you absolutely should. I think it's really, really great that you're trying to give him that space, Because, you know, avoidance really needed, especially after a fight. And I think that's really, really beautiful. Um, I do think that you have to advocate for and communicate your own needs on top of that. And there are like really great ways to do it. I wouldn't text him and say, hey, you need to respect me because that's that's vague. It's not to the point. It's not specific. It's not, you know, precise. And it sounds kind of condescending and insulting. And it, quite frankly, implies that he's not respecting you when you literally are the one who told him to take space he's gonna feel like he's gonna get whiplash and be like what the fuck happened you're the one who told me to take space and now you're saying I'm not respecting you like what the fuck happened now here's the thing There are ways to mitigate the symptoms of insecure attachment, but what I always advocate for instead of mitigating the symptoms is to work through it and get to secure, and that way you don't have to do this song and dance so much, you know? So instead of like, oh, just like like trying to like white knuckle it and be like, I'm going to give you the space, I'm going to give you the space while you're sitting there shivering in agony, instead work through through the underlying trauma that caused your anxious attachment. And there is all forms of insecure attachment are symptoms of unresolved childhood trauma. And more specifically, they tend to be generational trauma. So 
Anxious parents tend to have anxious kids. Avoidant parents tend to have avoidant kids. That's just kind of how it works. And it's because they're fulfilling their own unmet needs through that child. So with anxious kids, what really happens is we have anxiously attached parents who then have kids who are not letting the child have the sense of independence that it needs. And so they're just like essentially like love bombing this child who is just trying to have a little bit of independence and they're helicoptering and they're doing all these things. And instead of the kid being able to experience the independence that it needed growing up, instead it receives the message that if I'm not constantly attached to my quote unquote attachment partner, which in childhood is usually your parents and in adulthood is usually your romantic partner, then I'm not safe. Then I might, you know, be in danger of dying. And with avoidance, you have avoidant parents who have a really hard time with emotions, with connection, with um, vulnerability, with things like that. And they're not meeting the child's need for emotions, vulnerability, connection, because they're avoidant themselves. And then the child whose needs for these things are chronically undermet receives the message that no one will ever be able to be there for me. No one will ever meet my needs. And so I need to be a fucking island and any um, attempts at connection push them away, right? That's that's how we get these things. These are trauma. These are forms of unresolved trauma. If you work through that trauma, you can get to secure. And if you reimagine a childhood in which you had secure parents and had all of the pillars of a secure upbringing, then you can then remold your brain into that of a secure person. But you're not going to get there by just like pretending, by just like white knuckling it, by just trying to act different. You have to actually go in and do that subconscious work. And if you want tools for doing that, check out the Blush Academy Attachment Styles course. Um, but yeah, so that's number one. Number two, in the future, in these types of situations, what you really should do instead of just being like, take space, have it be really well-defined. Be like, hey, listen, I know we just had a fight. I know that you need space. And even though it makes me feel highly uncomfortable and literally sends the message to my brain that there's a life or death situation and my life might be in danger, I'm willing to make myself that uncomfortable to give you the thing that you need, but it can't be indefinite. So set a time limit. Be like, why don't you take a breather for the next 12 hours, for the next 24 hours, whatever amount of time it is that you can handle. But within 24 hours, please reach out to me. Otherwise, I cannot go on, okay? I will give you the 24 hours and it's gonna feel like shit for me. But in in return, I need you to reach out at the end of 24 hours. Otherwise, I will fucking lose my mind also, right? So like really define it, be specific. And then in this situation though, yeah, I would reach out and be like, hey, listen, I know I get, I said, take your time, take some space. And um, I guess in my mind, when I said take space, I thought it was going to be less time than this. Like I would really love it if we could reconnect now because, you know, I'm feeling really anxious and unsure and I just, I it, the anxiety is getting to be too much for me. So that's how I'd handle that. That's how I'd handle it going forward. But really the bigger thing is to actually do the deeper work so that it's, it's, you don't even have to deal with this whole song and dance. Okay. I think we're going to do one more. 
damn, we really haven't done a lot of these. Um, and there's so many good ones. Okay. Um, am I the asshole for my response when asked, why are you still single? I, 36-year-old single female, get asked this question a lot, and since it comes from coworkers, extended family, friends of friends, then responding rudely by saying, none of your darn business, sweetie, still didn't seem to work, I try to keep good relationships with those around me for a number of reasons. Sorry, I'm having a very hard time reading this, but this question just pisses me off, especially since the reason for why I'm single is pretty traumatic and so is very personal. They feel sorry for me. I can see it because they'd list all my good traits and then say it's a shame no man is willing to win it. What the fuck? Unfortunately, I got caught off guard by a lot of people, especially women asking this question. But since I can't control the fact that they ask, I really wish they'd just leave me the heck alone. I decided to use this method that I came up with very recently. For example, if a woman asks why I'm still single, I just tell her because I still haven't met your husband slash boyfriend yet. Honestly, 10 out of 10, no notes. You're not an asshole. That's genius. Um, (laughs) While acting somewhat slutty in the moment, so far, it seemed to shut them up. It's kind of passive aggressive, yes, but I just feel some sort of power doing it. Well, a few weeks ago, my sister introduced me to her boyfriend's sister. And once she sits down, uh, she asks, how old are you? I tell her and she gasps and goes on to say, why are you still single? I look at her and say, it's because I haven't met your boyfriend yet. She has she has a boyfriend, yay her, in the sluttiest tone I could muster while also pulling the duck face pose. She looks at me in utter shock, then puts down her coffee while my sister stares at me like, what the fuck? The conversation gets awkward, and minutes later, she gets up saying she wasn't feeling well and leaves quietly. My sister blows up at me asking, what the fuck? I just said I start arguing. I just said what? And I start arguing with her. I'm so sorry. I'm having a hard time reading this Uh, with her about how this woman was a snoop. She told me to get over myself and act my age and stop being childish, which she assumed is the main reason why I'm single and will always be because no man wants to be with such a nut job. Disagree. I think men love a sense of humor. Her boyfriend said, um, I upset his sister and is expecting apology. Okay. I'm not going to read the rest of this. So am I the asshole? No. I think asking women, like, why are you still single is so, so, so fucked up for so many reasons. Number one, it assumes that all women just want to settle down and be in relationships and stuff, which is untrue. Number two, it's always accompanied with like, oh, you're such a great catch. Like, why are you still single? And it like implies that that whether a woman is coupled up or not is the barometer of her worth as a human being, which is also untrue. And number three, no one fucking asks men this ever, ever. It's such a fucked up question. Like it's so, it's so emblematic of all of our internalized biases and internalized sexism as a society, because again, it it presupposes that being settled down is 
a barometer of a woman's worth, which it's not. It's like, oh, but you're so beautiful and you're successful and you're so this. Like, why don't you have a boyfriend? Like, oh, okay. So like, 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 so people who are great have boyfriends and people who aren't don't. Like, that's, that's just not how the world fucking works. And, um, I had something else I was going to say on this, but I like completely fucking forgot because this fly is <laughs> like not attacking me, but I'm just scared it's going to go inside my mouth. Please go away. It's like between the mic and my mouth. Um, yeah, internalized racism, blah, blah, blah. I'm not racism, sexism, blah, blah, blah. Um, fuck, what was the other point I was going to make? No, it, it's an out, it's an outrageous thing. Outrageous thing to say. Oh, and then my favorite follow-up is that, like people will be like, well, maybe men are just like intimidated by you. It's like, thanks. I don't need you to solve this problem, you know? Um, or, oh, oh, maybe you need to lower your standards. No, you lower yours, bitch. Um, no, I think it's an out, like, I think if someone asks you an outlandish question, the best thing that you can do is give an outlandish and funny answer that also kind of is like, hey, that's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I think it's a 10 out of 10 no notes answer from now on. If anyone ever asks you, why are you still single? I think we should all respond that. Now, I will say, I do think that you should, um, address the trauma that you have like you said it was for traumatic reasons I think you should address the trauma and I also think that if you address the trauma like I think that sometimes things happen in our lives because like if you you know are like more into the woo-woo stuff then it's the universe trying to show you like hey this is an area that you need to work through so I'm gonna hit you over the head with it until you work through it now if you're like completely atheist you don't believe in any of that shit that's fine there's a more scientific reason for it and that's like to do with neuroscience and how our brain is constantly seeking out things that it knows and putting its in situations, even if they're shitty situations, but situations that it's been in over and over and over again, because our brain's only job is to keep us alive. It's not to like have us be happy. And so like, no matter what approach you take to it, there's a lot of self-fulfilling prophecies out there. And if you're like insecure about something, you're going to find yourself in situations over and over and over again that are triggering that. Like I used to have this friend who has like a very thoughty Instagram, like very thoughty, like it's like, it's like kind of cringe, honestly. Um, and she constantly, constantly gets comments from people she knows in real life, like really judging her Instagram. And the thing is like, listen, it's really thoughty, but like, a lot of people are really fucking thoughty, you know, like it's not that deep. But I think the reason that she gets so many comments about it is because she is so insecure about it. And so it's just it's that energy that's attracting it. You know what I mean? So I bet if this person worked through whatever underlying trauma she has around romance, then she'll get this question a lot less. OK, maybe we will push our luck with the mic and do one more. Oh, we're already above the hour mark. No, no, we're not going to do one more. 
because we're already above the hour mark and I just don't want to go on for that much longer and I'm scared the camera's going to die, yada, yada. Okay, so let's just do gratefuls and then um, we will pick up here next month in the Am I the Assholes? And, um, you know, don't forget to submit questions for the last Tuesday of the month. So the second Tuesday of every month, we do Am I the Assholes? So you can submit those. And then the last Tuesday of every month, we do Q&A. So you can submit your questions. And then the other two Tuesdays, we do other topics. So, you know, you know, you know, you know, it's always good stuff. But one constant is that we start every episode with the word of the week and then we end every episode with gratefuls. And that's just where I list three new things that I'm grateful for every week. And the reason that we do this is because having a gratitude practice is scientifically proven to increase your levels of happiness. And this isn't like a woo-woo thing. It's not, you know, a manifestation thing. It's actually purely neuroscience based. But the key is that you have to list new things that you're grateful for every time. You can't just like keep repeating the same three things because it's actually the process of scanning through your day or scanning through your week to find new things that you're grateful for that is having the effect. So when you scan through your day and you're like, okay, like what, what are like three new things that I've never said I'm grateful for before? What you're actually doing is you're strengthening that part of the, your brain that looks for the good things in life. So it's kind of like if you were to do bicep curls, if you keep doing them, your bicep gets stronger. Same thing here. If you keep looking for the positives in life, then the part of your brain that's looking for the positives in life gets stronger. And over time, you'll find that you become a more optimistic person, a more happy person, and just someone who's more enjoyable to be around. And so as I list the three new things that I'm grateful for at the end of the episode, I invite you to also list three new things that you're grateful for either this week or just today. If you want to do that, that's fine too. Um, I am grateful for having hot water and having so many infrared heating devices in my apartment because it's getting colder by the minute and I fucking hate it and I love that I have ways to warm myself up. Um, I'm grateful that even though I am a little bit sick, it really isn't that bad. Like it's not even to the level of a full-blown cold. Um, Really like the most unpleasant has been while recording this right here, just because like I'm talking so much and so fast and like with the phlegm, it just kind of feels like I'm suffocating. But overall, it's like not nearly as bad as it could be. So that's great. And I am grateful. Um, oh, I'm grateful um, for just like a kitchen full of amazing, vibrant, beautiful food right now. And I'm about to spend the next two days shooting five more recipe videos. And so you guys are going to have so much stuff coming out on both my Instagram and I'm going to start posting food videos on my TikTok too. Like I have so many sick recipes coming out that I just can't wait to share with you guys that are not only like beautiful to look at and super healthy and incredibly delicious, but also really 
carefully constructed such that the ingredients support your well-being. They support, you know, your fitness and body and aesthetic goals, you know, clear skin, glowing hair, all of those things, body composition, um, you know, they're like lighter recipes and that, you know, they don't have like a ton of calories and aren't going to like weigh you down and, um, things like that. And, you know, there's a good amount of protein and fiber and stuff, but they also support your gut health. They really, really support your mental and emotional stability so that you really can regulate your nervous system and show up to life being the best version of yourself. And so I'm grateful that I get to do this. I'm grateful that I get to share this stuff with you guys. And I'm grateful that I get to eat all this fucking amazing food afterwards. Um, I'm always every week eternally grateful to you guys. I don't list it as my three because I say it so often that it's not new, but I am so grateful to you guys. And, um, you know, don't forget to do all the things, rate, review, subscribe. We do a giveaway every month where at the end of the month, I randomly select someone who's left a review for the show and um, the winner gets a free membership to the Blush Academy. So all that you have to do to enter the giveaway is just leave a review and um, screenshot the review and email it to me at theblushpod at gmail.com so that I can see it and enter you into the giveaway. And then at the end of the month, I randomly select a winner. Um, If you've already left a review, then please share this episode, put it in your Instagram stories, make sure to tag me. These things are so helpful for the show. It helps me really be able to give 110% and the camera just died, but not the worst time for it to die. Um, Okay, I'm gonna wrap up here. Love you guys so much. We will talk next week. Bye.